Hello, I'm your host, Gillian Semler. You're listening to Let's Talk, brought to you by Citilets and Arla Property Mart Scotland. Let's Talk is a dedicated property show for the world of property letting, investment, legislation, personal stories and much more. If you want to get in touch, just reach out. Let's Talk at citilets.co.uk. Joining me today is a well-known industry figure, Daryl McIntosh, recently appointed as CEO of SHARE. Morning, Daryl. Morning, Gillian. Thanks for having me back. Tell us about SHARE and when why it was established. Yes, um, SHARE was established in the uh, in the mid-80s, uh, from, from my knowledge, and it was basically to be uh, for housing associations. And, and it was a, a group of uh, housing association um, chief execs or bodies that realised there wasn't any company that was delivering specialised training for them and, uh, and, a, and certainly a much a much needed sector. Um, she was created in the, in the 80s to, to deliver this, uh, the training and the qualification uh, and it's grown, it's grown to, um, to deliver the, the training, the qualifications and not just for the staff but for board and committee members as well and now with the, uh, now with the, the regulator, the Scottish Housing Re- Regulator in force as well, it's, it's definitely a, a much needed organisation I think. Absolutely. Well, can you then describe Share's mission and, and core values? I can do, yes, because we, um, as I say, I recently appointed, I was uh, appointed in September uh, last year. So it's um, we're giving Share a, a little bit of a, an overhaul as, as we go through. So we've recently uh, put together new mission and, and vision and values as well. So our mission, um, our mission is helping to make a positive impact through learning and development and professional support, which I think just ticks, ticks what we do. And it's, it's very uh, generic, but it's certainly helping people through the learning and development as well, and the support that we've got from our our networks that we uh, that we run as well. Uh, and our vision is just to, to transform your world through learning. And I think it's uh, any part of the the housing property sector, and um, you're continuing to learn all the time where you should be. Um, certainly with all the changes uh, that come through as well. Yeah. Uh, and our values and um, our values are being to be supportive, to be passionate, and to be excellent. Um, we're empowering people, supportive. We're empowering them to reach their potential. We're passionate, so we've got a de- we're dedicated to meeting and exceeding your expectations. We've got a great team um, at Share at the moment, and we're being excellent, consistently providing a valuable and impactful experience um, as well. So yeah, I think there were there were good values. We as I say, we had a session recently that put all these these together. Um, and yeah, I think that they're better than the uh, the kind of uh, the lazy ones of integrity and and trust, which you should have anyway. Um, in my view, indeed. I mean, because I'm actually that brings me on to she was recently awarded silver accreditation by investors and people, which is is fantastic. So, what does that mean to you then and the organisation? Uh, disappointment because I wanted gold or, or platinum to be. <laughs> so- <laughs> I see that, Jess. That was fantastic. Um, we were already meeting some of the gold objectives, and you know, for getting to the silver status in such a small time um, that we that, that we did it. And for those that do know me, will know that I'm probably the ultimate cynic, and um, I probably just thought these were just no. yeah, that's <laughs> true. And that these were just um, badge collectors, and people that had these things on didn't mean anything. I think it's been a great thing to do, um, to be honest. And it's absolutely converted me. So at team meetings now, we look out, we ask the, the staff how they've incorporated the values through their performance during the week, or even just in the even just personally. So we can, you're looking at starting meetings about about introducing the values. 
Um, the values we had to do that, that I've just, just said, we had to do these to start the process of the investors and people um, accreditation. And, and I think it's great because I've been through these values exercise before and they just get done. It's like a tick box. They get put to the side or they get written on a wall and nobody does anything about it. But we you know, we have to keep... Um, Keep with them uh, and keep, you know, we, we remember them. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're short and snappy as well, mm-hmm. uh, and we do stick to them as well. So, yeah, the experience has been great. And for me, it's about being being open and transparent, and, uh, and it's trust. And I have to, to get the trust from the team, and they get it back, to be honest. And it's about making the team leaders, uh, not followers. Uh, and I think where you have a lot of um, organizations. They'll have somebody at the top, and they'll give out orders, and they'll just say follow. And it's not—it's not a great atmosphere, to be honest. And it dents morale. We've got great, yeah. great morale uh, as a as a development and uh, a personal development organisation. We're supporting their own personal development and growth as well, and encouraging them to do qualifications and training and to 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 grow themselves as well. So yeah, the the ultimate cynic has has changed. I think it's a, it's a great thing to do. It's difficult. Um, if uh, if you're not willing to change or not prepared to change or people have got their their, their own ideas, but I think it's uh, it's a great thing to do. I can see why some organisations don't do it because they would really really struggle or it would be a a complete overhaul that they would need. But I think it is a great great thing to do. Definitely worth it. Well, Shure provide a vast range of training courses and qualifications. So do you want to talk about the courses available and and who they're designed for? Yeah, I could, I could go on about the list that we've got. Is when I took this role, I, I looked at the list of training and, and courses and qualifications that we've got, and it's phenomenal. Um, the, 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 primarily, we're looking at uh, board and committee for a regulatory requirement so they can, for social housing, so they can meet the, um, uh, the, social, uh, the Scottish housing regulator requirements. We offer a lot of training and support because these are volunteers and um, for board and committees. Uh, as well, but then we can do anything for for staff, the chief execs, the leaders, and um, the qualifications. We run an accredited centre for Charlton Institute of Housing, uh, City and Guilds. We do the IRPM qualification. I'm probably going to miss quite a few as uh, as uh, as we're speaking through this. Uh, the the leadership and management stuff is is a really big thing that we do uh, do as well, and I think that's something that that can grow as well. So we we have something for everybody in the, in all parts of the the housing sector. More than apprenticeships, we run as well about to offer free web free webinars. So. Uh, we have to be wary of all the various job roles in the, the property housing sector from, it's more about, well, it's not just writing tenancy agreements and and, and collecting rent. We've got uh, property maintenance factors as well. We cover absolutely, absolutely everything. Um, so, yeah, great range of, uh, great range of courses that we, that we can run. And I believe um, she's about to launch PRS support. So do you want to go into a bit more detail about this? Yeah, we're introducing a, a new um, e-learning management uh, system as well. So all of this will have, we've got hundreds of hours of material um, available to, and it'll be available to, we're changing the membership structure. Uh, so individual members will be able to join shortly. Uh, non-members can can get these courses um, as well. So the, the PRS course, we'll, we'll have a whole selection of PRS courses um, uh, just just touching on everything. So the private rented sector uh, can join the social housing 
guys are doing a bit of uh, a bit of everything really they're doing the the private rented stuff as well as the with market and the factoring and the social housing stuff as well so yeah we will have an awful lot of support we're going to have some guides so as well as the the the, the e-learning short snappy courses um that we'll have on it i see there, there'll be hundreds of hours of, available for this uh, it is it is online uh you can access it whenever you like um It'll have videos, it has quizzes. We've got gamification as well for the kids of today, just to keep keep them interested yeah. as well. You can track your CPD as well. You'll get a record of all that that hopefully should be uh, accepted by the Scottish Government as well for uh, letting agent registration as well. And not just the, the not just the, the housing element that Dinner referred to earlier about tenancy agreements and cost of living crises and um We've got the repairing standard uh, enforcement coming in in March. So we've got all these 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 courses ready to ready to go. But we've got you know the generic ones, your cyber security that you need, your health and safety, mm -hmm. uh, business and customer service skills as well. And I say the the property management and factoring as well, which will cross over into the private rented sector uh, courses as well. So we've got a lot of uh, a lot of things coming. We're going to have networks um, available as well. I know on our system you can be able to ask questions and do a bit of uh, networking as well. And we'll still have the face-to-face -face courses uh, as, as well that leads on to it. So we've got, as I said earlier, it's a bit of an overhaul that we've uh, that we've got coming. So a lot of a lot of hours of material um, to hopefully be delivered shortly. Yeah, well, you were touch, talking about MMR manufacturing, which actually I want to go into in a bit more detail later. But at the moment, let, let's talk about the Cost of Living Tenant Protection Scotland Act 2022, which saw the initial rent cap being lifted on social housing, but not the PRS. You know, what do you believe are the reasons for this? And do you agree with the Scottish Government's decision? Um, uh, I think when it was initially launched, it was a, uh, it was, it was aimed at a one size fits all. As you do with everything in housing, and everybody knows that that, that it's not. So it was just, you know, the announcement from Nicola Sturgeon at the time that it was just going to be a blanket ban. Nobody knew anything about it other than from this day what I say goes. Um, that's come back to one now. Um, and then, um, and then we saw the regulations that that that, that got uh, that got released. And um, we did a lot of, we were doing a lot of. Um, uh, conferences at the time for social housing and Patrick Harvey turned up, turned up at them. I didn't think he expected the backlash that he got from the social sector. It was there was an awful lot, and I think on you you're looking at it. I you know, I could see it, I, I'm now involved in, in all sides of it from the the PRI side and the the social side. That the lobbying was better from the social guys. They they put in front of the Scottish government everything that they did for the tenants, and you know they're. You've got your community-based housing associations. They're providing food banks. They're providing heating vouchers. They've got community centres. You know everything is funded by the rent. They've got thirty-year business plans to do. They build uh, more properties with it. They they do the retrofit um, as well. So they're upgrading and building uh, as well. So they put all that in front of Patrick Harvey as well. Not only that, they engage with the tenants early. They have to. It's a regulatory requirement as well. Um, PRS guys. I think the PRS sector looked a bit. It was a bit lazy. Um, all the all I heard and all I saw was that landlords are going to leave the sector, um, which undoubtedly some have. But I think the Scottish government, or a small part of it, probably shouldn't refer to Patrick Harvey as that. Um, as uh, they, they they look at it saying, well, not all landlords are going to leave. Um, some will come in. So that's that's kind of his view as well. And that's all that the, the, the PRS guys bought was it being no investment. We did did. did um, landlords would leave, but I say that the argument was was a bit different. Uh, 
think it probably should have been a bit more positive um, for the, the private sector. It's still got three percent, um, I suppose, in the in the end. Um, the social housing guys, I think, generally said that they wouldn't go more than five percent. Some of them did. Some of them have gone yeah. seven. Yeah, well, so. I hear that's an interesting kind of side from yourselves because, well, we know that we we know that much of the industry feel that they hadn't been listened to in relation to mm. unintended consequences of the Cost of Living Act. Well, not to mention no consultation at all prior to announcement. I believe that was the same with yourself. I mean, it wasn't so much just the the PRS side, was it? But because now it seems that the housing bill is delayed. I mean, do you feel this is an indication that the government is now listening, you know, to all kind of sectors involved? Because you recently met with the Scottish Housing Minister, Paul McLennan. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think the lack of consultation, but not just this one, and uh, uh, the COVID regulations that were kind of forced upon us as well, is a bit... You know, it's a, 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 a bit conniving. If you look at Scott, the Scottish, again, small part, the Green Part, their policies and what they wanted, um, all this was part of it. And uh, they just, you know, it just looks like there was an opportunity to sneak this in, um, which which feels very underhand, I would say, you know, from, from my view, some of these things that were supposed to be temporary and now we've got them permanently well, referring, going back to the, the some of the COVID regulations as well. Going to the, the housing bill and it, it being being delayed, it's been, a, you know, it's a, it's a surprise. And I spoke to Kevin Stewart when he was housing minister, mm -hmm. and this was pre-election in 2021, that they had already started this housing bill. Um, so he had told me that this was that this was underway. I suspect that they're probably looking at keeping some of these temporary measures. And I know they've you know, made no secret, Patrick Harvey's made no secret of, we just spoke about the uh, the rent the rent cap, uh, the increase, uh, if they just, you know, when that ends in March, is it then going to be a free-for-all for a massive increase, uh, an increase in rent? And again, I think they brought that on themselves because there are many landlords who, they just didn't increase the rent at all. But if you're told you can only increase it by a maximum of 3%, are the majority increasing rent by 3%? Probably are. Is anybody taking 1% or 2%? Probably not, um, or very few, I would imagine. Um, so, yeah, the, and what we're going to see in the, the housing bill, again, is probably more on the, the tenant protection measures and taking the time to, to look at, you know, they've made no secret about keeping pets or families. But that's not bad on keeping pets or families. I just don't understand this. It's, mm -hmm. um, it is, there is, there is no bad. That is the property suitable. Um, again, they brought this on themselves uh, as well on the lack of properties that are available um, for for families and those those with pets as well. Yeah. I mean, how can you legislate for you must take a family or you must take a pet? I think it's, it feels like they're one step away from, again, certain part of the Scottish government trying to dictate what the, well, I mean, they want to rent set at some point. That's going to be the long-term objective. And then tell me who the, who the landlord um, should take as a, as a tenant as well. That seems to be... The route that they uh, that that they want to to go down. In, in terms of of Paul McLennan and and his role, I don't know how much he'll have for the the private rented sector side of it, but he certainly seems to be keen on 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 dealing with uh, homelessness and property standards. And to be fair, to him, he's been a, a councillor for fifteen to twenty years, and he's 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 very passionate about um, housing. He sits on a lot of the working groups um, as well, and has made himself very approachable um, for it. So hopefully that we can get a bit of balance um, from uh, coming from from himself as well. So yeah, it does seem to be listening and engaging um, with us. Okay. Well, I'm aware that the Scottish Government is looking to encourage careers in housing with shares assistance. So what is shares involvement in the same? 
Yes, I spoke to when I had a meeting. This was part of uh, of, of what we spoke about. It's, it's, it's housing education. We're part of a housing education group, um, which uh, has various academics, CIH, um, involved in it as as well. And it's looking at it's encouraging housing education and people to try and to get into housing and property from an early age. I mean, you look how how important housing is. Um, there's nothing on the school curriculum for it. Uh, nothing at all. So it's where where do you start? And you're looking at bigger employers taking people on and trying to trying to educate them. Where we need to kind of go back to to, to the basics and look at uh, introducing um, wherever we can. I mean, here do modern apprenticeships, so we encourage um, people to get into to housing careers. Um, the National Housing Day is coming in September. We're going to help hopefully do uh, examples, case examples of people who've gone through and, and, and had a career in housing and, and how they've they've gone through with the uh, with the qualification and and, and support of of, uh, of everybody. And there's there's some great careers and some great salaries available as well, but nobody talks about it and everybody just thinks, you know, the sexy side of housing is homes under the hammer or Phil and Kirsty and then and then that's that's about it, to be honest. So we're trying to get uh, trying to get as much engagement um, as we can. And it's not just again, I go back. It's not just uh, filling in a tenancy agreement or or being a, a housing manager. You know, there's the repairs element. There's the finance side of it. There's customer services and there's HR and governance as well. So many base and strands of, uh, of of housing and property that you could go through. So it is trying to get, and it's following on from what was announced uh, in, in England last week or the week before with the social housing uh, bill got updated for housing managers to hold a, a qualification or, or some relevant standards as well. I think it's diff difficult to pinpoint you wanted a, a specific qualification on, on what you would need, particularly for all of housing. And you, you, you'll be just spoke about PRS side of things uh, as well, and obviously as a letting agent, you would have to have the relevant qualification. But there's so many strands there, and and you know, again, speaking to the Scottish government, they're quite keen on the leadership and management uh, element as well, because people get put into these roles because they've been there the longest. They've got no skills um, or, or no training, just that they've been there the longest doesn't mean to say that they're the best. So these things as well that we that, that we can deliver and, and and are supporting as well. So there's a great. There's a great variety of housing education um, out there that we can deliver. So it's trying to, to get that message uh, across. Well, the Scottish Government has committed to delivering 110,000 affordable homes by 2032. Do you think this target is feasible? And, you know, how's share helping towards this vision? Yeah, it's somewhat of nonsense, isn't it? Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> you don't mess your words, Dara. No. <laughs> Again, it's, it's pretty misleading. And when was this? You know, it's when was the target set? What are they looking at? And I mean, the, 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 they should be changing it as uh, as as we progress. You know, this number was set a while back. You know, they're looking at the aging aging population. Are they not? You know, they're looking at. You know, we're discussing what's required. It's not really now, but in you know, well, what's required not now, but in June twenty thirty two, when when these targets are supposed to have uh, have been made. I don't think they're really looking forward um, at. And you know, changing the figures of, of where we're at now and what has happened in between this figure being set, and you, know, you look at the refugees and that are coming to the country that are looking for housing as uh, as well. I mean, we just mentioned the rent freeze as well. So, and I said earlier, these social housing providers have got to have a thirty-year business plan uh, as well, and to, to to review these plans. And some just stopped building when the rent freeze came, and um, because that that was it. So, I think maybe the Scottish government are banked on 
on these these targets being met from from these business plans um, as uh, as well. And then those that that you know back to the rent freeze and I'm well aware of examples of people who had uh, who had planning who who were in the pro uh, starting to build and just pulled the plug. And um, there was one community of of three hundred homes um, that. Uh, a uh, builder was 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 building, but pulled the plug because it was then getting transferred to investors in England, and they just got spooked. Yeah. Um, they you know mm. they just got spooked. So there's you know well it's only three hundred from a hundred thousand target. It just keeps it, it keeps adding up as uh, as well. And then again, there's the the energy efficiency measures that have got to be met and costs. And again, it, it just all comes down to cost. I think it currently stands at. The estimate is approximately two hundred thousand to build an average two bed social house, and three hundred thousand if you're in the the rural or island communities, and mm-hmm. um, and then the rent that's achieved on that is how long how long before you've got that two hundred thousand recovered is is a long long time to be honest. And I think at the moment priorities are are changing for those that are building. They've got these energy efficiency targets to meet, um, which again is a bit. It's a bit stringent, particularly in the social sector. Undoubtedly, it's coming to the private sector. Um, yeah, eventually, mm-hmm. yeah. So you've got the um, they've got the energy efficiency and uh, and the carbon emissions to meet. But again, it's only about two percent of carbon emissions coming from social housing. So should we get the priorities right and encouraging more 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 new build properties that that are going to be carbon neutral as well. And um, again, I think it's it's the priorities, and that's where I referred to earlier about perhaps moving the goalposts. Or, or what was introduced six, seven years ago to where we're to where we're at now as well. Um, from our perspective at Share, we we just can can continue to support them, the the housing uh, and property professionals with the education, the updates, and uh, that we need as well. And again, help with our help with our comments, our stakeholder comments on you need a reality check on on some of these targets, and this is what we're we're discovering. Because which demographic group? Would you say is there predominantly a shortage of affordable housing for, and you know, and how is it being specifically addressed? I don't think anybody has an idea. Um, to be honest, I mean, I've looked at the you know, before we we started this. I looked for an update on uh, on figures, and the best I could get was from the recent Solus report. Um, you know, the Society of uh, Local Authority Chief Executives. And they are re- reckoning approximately two hundred forty-three thousand are waiting for for a social home. Um, so that's again the the as as we've changed as well. Uh, the, in the report, it does again refer to homelessness. Um, it does refer to again the uh, the, uh, the the immigrants that have come over as uh, as well. So. Um, I think undoubtedly we need all tenures and all house types as well. Um, and again, don't need to think about what we need right now, but where we're going to be in you know in a few years' time and yeah. start building for then. You know, we're making we're making the noises that we need two hundred forty three houses now. It's not going to happen now. It's what you know we're we're, we're needing to think five or ten years down on where we're going to be then. Is the number going to increase? Um, probably so we need to start building undoubtedly we need to start building but I think we need social people just saying we need social housing again it's perhaps a little bit lazy we need all tenures uh, we need all tenures as, as quickly as possible and again if you've referred to that um, that SOLAS report they say if uh, their, their view is if people could afford to buy uh, or pay the PRS rent then they would they're not necessarily waiting for social housing it's just because it's the cheaper it's the cheaper yeah. option so Again, if we had, if we could sort sort out one part of the sector, then 
and we'd hopefully sort it all out. But it seems to be that whatever part of the sector is trying to be sorted has a detrimental effect on the other, which just just isn't working. Mm -hmm. Well, as you can go back actually just talk about ten years, but to talk about mid market rental MMR. Can you explain to our listeners? Um, you know, a bit more about mid-market rentals, you know, the differences between it and kind of social housing and also what the demographics of the tenants and the, the eligibility criteria. Yeah, there's some, I mean, there's some, some, some great properties in the mid-market rent, which is aimed at those on on what they say low to moderate incomes. Um, and those perhaps these people won't meet social housing requirements, uh, and the the affordability for the PRS or home purchasing it, it's out there means. Um, it is grant funded by by government uh, and market rent properties. Um, each housing association or local authority they will set their own policies on the income. It's usually looking between twenty and forty thousand pounds for uh, for 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 salary. Um, and then that that would meet the requirement for mid market rent. But again, it depends on. On, on the internal policies uh, as well. Demographics, I think, are usually between 20 and 35, as is, is, is what we're saying just now. And I think the big difference between the mid-market rent and the social housing is those in mid-market rent get a PRT. Um, so it does effectively feel like they are, they, they are the kind of renting in the private private sector, perhaps maybe with a bit more security from uh, a, a social landlord or a, a larger landlord, certainly better for... Um, repairs and maintenance in Scotland for the regulatory requirements than you would get in England anyway, and um, that's for sure. However, there's cost of living crisis that we've just spoken about as well. Again, this is where the social landlords um, have been affected by it because there is a PRT, so they've been capped in this bit part by the uh, by the rent increase mm -hmm. uh, or the rent cap as well. So they didn't get a full free free pass. So because it's um, the PRT that's there, so there's an argument that. That if it's mid market rent, should there be a different tenancy agreement? So people are uh, in the sector are, are kind of arguing that perhaps there should be seen to be a little bit a little bit different. Interesting. Well, how many of shares members offer MMR, and how many units does that attribute to? I don't know. I don't know. It's not really the the figures or numbers um, that we have, but I do know there are a lot more of um, a lot more mid market rent um, properties being built. The um, the, the registered social landlords, they, they create subsidiaries uh, that they're called, so it's a, almost a different company that will deal with the mid-market uh, rent side of things as well. It certainly is, or was, proven to be a little bit of a popular uh, income stream as well. The numbers, are, I'm afraid, uh, I can't give you, but they, you, you'll certainly see that the, the, the developments, they don't stay long um, on the market. I mean, you guys will see it from from, yeah. from those that are coming on your, your website for advertising. Uh, like most properties, they don't hang out for long. Well, share involved in, just because we're also talking about property factors, and you touched on it recently, um, just earlier. So, yeah, share involved in supporting property factors. And I believe there's a higher percentage of rented properties in Glasgow being factored than Edinburgh. So, you know, why is this? And, and what does share do to help housing associations with the factoring? Um, it's the the Glasgow Edinburgh is a good question. I think it's just a legacy issue, isn't it? I mean, it's been it's been years, uh, years and years and years, and uh, more for the tenement. Well, certainly for the tenement factoring, that's that's for sure. I think a lot of people um, think of factors as they'll cut the grass, uh, deal with buildings and mm -hmm. and scare the seagulls away, uh, and that's about it. <laughs> but there's, the, there's there's a lot, lot, lot more to it. Um, 
uh, above and beyond that with the maintenance and uh, dealing with uh, the the collection, and that I could go on and on and on. So, uh, yeah, the the Tenement Act brought into brought in two thousand four brought in regulations regulations to make sure owners met the requirements. So your factors can I've got this as a as a bit of a as a bit of a support as well, and then they had to be registered in, in twenty twelve as uh, as well. There is. Um, there is a noticeable, I think some there's a noticeable difference between some of the quality from a private sector uh, factor and uh, the local authority or the social side as well. But to support, we've got, um, we do the IAPM qualification, the Institute of Residential Property Management, and they're a professional body for residential property management, management specialists. And there's a, it's a nationally accredited qualification uh, as well. So again, that's a career pathway and that we've got and we're supporting the next level qualification here as well. So there's a lot of training that we can uh, we can provide the uh, factors or those that are that are working in factoring as well. We've got a, a an understanding building maintenance and repairs course um, as well at City and Guilds accredited and uh, that we run as well. So there is a there, there is a lot of support there uh, that we can do as I say it is it is it's a complicated uh, business. We've got a and we do various courses on it as well, day courses on, I think, on the understanding the data conditions. It's a two-day course on this is this is data conditions and title deeds and what it means to factors and what you should be looking uh, what you should be looking out for uh, as well. So yeah, um, do an awful lot of again. I've probably undersold what else that we we offer, but uh, yeah, that was just some of the exciting examples that are there if you want to get into factoring. Okay. Well, Cheryl also holds a wide range of conferences and, and events. So can you tell us just a bit more about the main annual one, the main annual conference, which I think was, was that back in March? And and also other kind of upcoming events that you have on. Yeah, the annual one is generally, uh, it's, it's been um, historically over, over uh, two and a half days, um, two nights. Um, so yeah, that was... Uh, that was in in March. The the, the speakers we have, um, that's the the line the, the lineup we have. I mean, that's I mean they were great. I mean, I've got mm-hmm. no problem, and that's probably why it was so good. Um, <laughs> there's a there's a lot of uh, a lot of networking as well. So from all the various um, organisations that that attend, they like to sit and uh, you know go through the day. And they are there for their their educational learning. And say a lot of them are committee and board members who who do it voluntarily. And some of this are from the housing associations as as a bit of a as a bit of a thank you as well for a, a couple of nights away as well for dinner drinks and entertainment um as well and they do a bit of networking and so it's it is it is it is a good it was a good event very very good event as well um so yeah planning is already underway for next year's uh, next year's event although I they've been wanting to change the date because this year's one was over my birthday. So, um, oh, I can't have that. Not on that again, no. <laughs> um, so yeah, the change the date. Yeah, there too. Exactly. Yes. Uh, so the, we've, we've changed the date. We're moving the date slightly for uh, for next year. But what we've got lined up, you know, the August um, the sixteenth, we've got an inspiring leadership conference. You know, that's just a day event. So it's about that's a good one. We do. We did this this one last year as uh, as well, and it's just about. And how what the challenges leaders are facing in the workplace, and uh, the opportunities that they've got to inspire teams and to drive excellent service delivery, and um, as well. So that's 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 a great. I think I like that one. That's quite a good uh, conference. So 
We've got um, that one in August. Uh, in September, we've got a governing body and chairs retreat. Uh, that's down in Seymour uh, Hydro. So again, that is a, for those that are on board and committees and the chairs of the committees as well, where they can, again, um, educated, uh, get, uh, take away some learning and networking as well. So it's, uh, it's an overnight one there. They get the dinner and a bit of networking uh, as well. So that's a good one. Uh, we've got corporate governance and HR conference in November. That's a popular one aimed at, at, at staff about overseeing corporate governance uh, and HR professionals um, as well. So that's three that we've got coming up, and we're going to do a list of um, free webinars after the, um, uh, I suppose the the publicity on the on the back of the the, the little boy dying in London on on. The, from the, the mould and dam, mm -hmm. we ran a free webinar for everybody and we were all subscribed, we had to run it twice um, so wow. everybody in all the housing sector and again that's that's what we're aimed at as well we've got yeah. another few webinars lined up, so we've got poverty awareness for housing professionals um, we've got cyber security and uh, a domestic abuse awareness one coming as well, don't have a date for that but we'll just make that freely available mm -hmm. and that is something that the housing minister was was keen to know more about as well and what support was um, was or is available. Um, I know sometimes the private sector feel like social workers, uh, but I think some people can spot these things and it's knowing what to do or who to contact as, uh, as well. Yeah, so it's providing you know, a bit of support and awareness um, for these things uh, as well. It'll be different for housing associations will be able to take it a bit further of it's a local authority. They'll, they'll have the ways and means internally, but private may not know who, who to contact or what to do. So, uh, and spotting signs as, as well. So yeah, certainly it's, uh, it's it's a major topic that the Minister wanted us to, well, asked us about as well. So we'll put one together and, and provide support there as well. Well, it's, it's so vast with what Cheryl covers in its training and its support and its events. Listen, thank you so much, Daryl. That has been really interesting. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Gillian Semler. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe to the Let's Talk channel on all the usual platforms including Spotify, iTunes and SoundCloud, as well as on citylets.co.uk forward slash podcasts. And also let your friends know where to find us. Let's Talk is a dedicated property show providing insight into the world of property letting. More information on today's show can always be found on our show notes along with this podcast. If you want to get in touch, just reach out. Let's talk at citylets.co.uk. Okay.